Pastor Xavier Reese with a source for security, stability, and strength in time of need. Yes, you will go through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, you will go through dark times. Yes, you will go through difficult times. Yes, you will go through times when it seems like God is silent, but you have to walk by faith and not by sight. Know that He's there, He's faithful. Isn't it interesting, we've all gone through some times that not hang on, you will. That's the hope and that's the type of God that we have, one who never leaves us nor forsakes us. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The taunting of unbelievers, overwhelming trials of life, memories of better days. For any believer, it can often seem like there's a never-ending list of causes for discouragement. Even for the one designated as a man after God's own heart, David. Coming up, Pastor Xavier illustrates how the psalmist understood that the answers were not within himself, but in the living God. He didn't look within. He looked up. And that's a simple truth we'll begin with today in a continuation of a verse-by-verse study series of the Psalms. Let's listen. Psalm 42 begins the second book of the Psalms, and it runs to Psalm 72. And it corresponds with the second book of the Pentateuch, the book of Exodus, which central theme is deliverance, redemption. And so as we said in our introduction, uh, the Psalms are divided into those five divisions which correspond with the five books of Moses. In the first book, the name Yahweh was predominant. In the second book, we find the word or the name Elohim. Elohim is identified and related to the creative hood of God. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. He is the creator, all-powerful, almighty. Elohim occurs in every psalm of the second book at least twice, and as many times as 26 in one psalm. And so this is the um, major name that we find throughout the second book. Psalm 42 is a psalm of the sons of Korah to the chief musician, and we're going to find a lot of these psalms here in the second book uh, running and related to the sons of Korah. The Korah was uh, one of the families, the Kohathites, of the three families of the Levitical family. You had the Kohathites, the Merites, and the Gershonites. And they each had their duties, and some had tabernacle duties, some had just the furnishings and different things. And so they were one of the three. You can find that in First Chronicles 6... 1 Chronicles 9, 1 Chronicles 26, you'll find their names listed and also in other divisions of um, 2 Chronicles. Notice that it says a contemplation. The word is mashil, which means instruction. We've had this title before. So this psalm is a song of an exiled person among his enemies who is grieving over the mockery of his, over his God. As he's away from the sanctuaries, away from the place where he fellowships with God. The enemy is, is mocking him. Psalm 42, as well as 43, are believed to be one psalm. And there's various reasons. The first one is that the theme is the same one. As we go through it, you will see that. Secondly, and just look quickly, verse 5 of Psalm 42. It says, you are, uh, why are you cast down on my soul? Uh, verse 11, uh, why are you cast down on my soul? Uh, verse 5 of Psalm 43, Why are you cast down, 
O my soul. And so it's believed to be one psalm because the same theme runs through it. Secondly, because Psalm 43 is the only psalm in Book 2 that has no title. And then third of all, the two psalms are connected and written as one in many old manuscripts. So uh, we believe that it is one psalm. So I'm going to give you the division covering both of them as one psalm. Uh, verses 1 through 5, we have the confession of longing for past privileges of fellowship. Verses 6 through 11, you have uh, the concern about the enemies who are mocking and condemning the godly man. And then the five verses of Psalm 43, you have the cry for restoration of fellowship. And so he says, As a deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, when he shall come and appear before God. My tears have been my food for day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? And notice here the, the psalmist, he identifies his desire for God as, as a heart. A deer who comes down and he, he lives in the mountains. And he comes down to the valleys to quench his thirst, to, to get substance of life. Without it, he cannot live. The psalmist identifies God as a substance by which he cannot live apart. The scriptures many times speak to us of living water. Uh, the Holy Spirit is used many times symbolically as living torrents of water that would gush out of our innermost being in the New Testament. And so here the psalmist identifies himself as one who is away from the Lord, up in the mountains, uh, isolated. Uh, verse 6 confirms this. He says there he speaks about uh, uh, being in Jordan, the heights of Hermon. And so he's away from the privilege of being able to fellowship with God from the holy place. Uh, Jesus spoke in Matthew 5, 6 about, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. There is a hunger, but there's a hunger here for God. People have hunger for many different things. And whatever appetite you have, if you cater to it, you will create a bigger appetite for that. And the psalmist um, desire to cultivate that diet, if you will, of the fellowship with God. But notice that he cries out knowing that it is valuable since he no longer has it. Something very important. Sometimes we don't value the things we have until we lose them. Or until we don't have them. I know that uh, at least here in Southern California that we take church or Bible study for granted and uh, we figure, well, I'll go tonight, I won't go tonight. But there's people in Africa and South America or every, different parts of the world, even some parts of the United States, that, man, they would, they would love to have a fellowship. And they don't have it. You know, I hear it all the time when people move. They move from here to the Midwest or they move somewhere else and they say, man, there's just nowhere to get fed. They're used to a church that's feeding them, and they go somewhere else. They have a lot of programs. They have a lot of this and that, but they have no consistent feeding, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. It's a great need in the church of Jesus Christ today. We are over flooded here in Southern California, but it's not like that all, all over. And so uh, the psalmist cries out here. In verse 4, he says, When I remember these things, I poured out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. So he remembered when he went up to the temple on the feast days, 
the new moons, rejoicing, singing psalms, and, and just making that ascent up to the temple, make sacrifice, fellowship, everything. He remembers that, and he longs for it. So in verse 5, he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. And so he encourages himself. He's away. No one else around to encourage him except himself. There are going to be times when no one's going to be around. There are going to be times that you and I will go through that I'm going to have to deal just with the Lord. And even as I seek the Lord, sometimes it's going to seem like my heaven is brass, iron. I can't hear God. And that's the time when I have to encourage myself in the promises of God. I have to look to the Word and remember what God has promised me because there will be nobody else around. This is the situation of the psalmist here. In verse 6 he says, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore I will remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the hill of Mizar. And so he's, uh, he's anxious, a uh, form of depression if you will. And um, he says the way to get out of depression is to remember God. Remember what God said. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night His song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. And so he lays there at night in his bed and, and restless and sleepless, and he can't sleep, and God is faithful to come and give him a song in the night to minister unto him. And he encouraged himself not only in the word, but in a song. It's amazing what, what song will do to us, which tells us a lot about the songs we sing. They should reflect Scripture, the promises of God. They better have Scripture. They better have, better have the promises of God. So that when I sing them, they turn my heart and my face to Him. Verse 9 says, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I... Do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, Where's your God? And so they're mocking him. Where is he? I thought he helps you out. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance is my God. His rock, his help. In spite of all that's going on, the attack, the warfare, he turns to God. He encouraged himself by the word of God and by the song of the night. And that's the hope and that's the type of God that we have, one who never leaves us nor forsakes us. Yes, you will go through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, you will go through dark times. Yes, you will go through difficult times. Yes, you will go through times when God, it seems like God is silent, but you have to walk by faith and not by sight. And know that he's there, he's faithful. Isn't it interesting, we've all gone through some times, if not, hang on, you will, where you think they're never going to end. You say, how long, O Lord? Does that sound familiar? We've read in the Psalms. <laughs> how long, O Lord? You're not the first to say that. And yet, as God takes you through those difficult times, those painful times, those times when you thought you weren't going to make it, and then God turns it for good, and He does a work in your heart, He does a work in your life, and He allows you to get a better perspective of God and His goodness and His power and His holiness. And you wouldn't change that or switch that or exchange that for all the money in the world. Because you're richer for it. 
And not only that, but you can be gracious to those who go through things. And you have something of substance to give. And that's what it's all about. And so the psalmist here, his confidence in God. He continues in Psalm 43, Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For you are the God of my strength. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out your light and your truth and let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. And so he's speaking about that pilgrimage and he's away from the tabernacle. And he says, hey, let your word be the, the, the course and the step by step. So when I get there, man, I, I am just on cloud nine. It's his word. It guides him. It's a light to his path so he doesn't take matters into his own hands. Then I will go to the altar of God. Notice, because of God's promise and he's held himself back and he's been obedient, then he can come to the altar to God my exceeding joy and on the harp I will praise you, O God, of my God. You see, only when we're obedient to the word of God will we come to the altar and rejoice and praise him because we know we come with clean hands and a pure heart. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. I mean, look how He started. Look how He finished. Because He trusted in God and His Word. Now, in Psalm 44, it's a psalm again of the sons of Korah to the chief musician. Uh, once again, a contemplation, which means an instruction. It's a psalm of deliverance from the present suffering. The book of Job, we ask why, how come, why me? And yet the book of Job never gives us the reasons why the righteous suffer. God doesn't seek to give us that answer. That means he's sovereign, he does what he wills. And so the psalmist here deals with this issue. In verse 1 through 3, you have the faithfulness of God in the past. Verses 4 through 8, you have uh, the confidence in God in the present. And then verses 9 through 16, the affliction that is brought by God, so it seems. And then verses 17 through 22, the cry regarding the innocence through that suffering. And then he finishes up with verses 23 through 26, the cry for deliverance, which um, cries out in confidence. He says, we have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what deeds you did in their days, in days of old, how you drove out the nations with your hand, but them you planted, how you afflicted the peoples and cast them out, for they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arm save them, but it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance, because you favored them. And so here he he records and rehearses the history how it was God who went before the children of Israel. It wasn't because they were more in number. God told them that. It wasn't because they were more righteous. It's just that they weren't as wicked as those who were in the land. God as sovereign, He had chosen them and He chose to fight and go before them. And so here the psalmist acknowledges God's goodness and His provisions for the children of Israel. This is good for you and I to rehearse when we're going through difficult times and we think that everything's caving in, that we rehearse what God has done in our past. 
and we say, Lord, you have done this in the past for me. You have always delivered me. You have always come through. And I remember when you did this. Can you remember things that God has done in your life? Where God has gotten you out of financial difficulties, not because you've been presumptuous or anything else, but how He's come through faithfully. How God has gone before you to give you employment. How God has gone before you to give you wisdom. How God has gone before you to protect you. Can you remember those things? Do you have altars built in your life where you can call back on those things and remember when you can't see nothing for the present? Or is your past barren? Do you not value those past lessons? This is what the psalmist is doing here. Verse 4, he says, You are my God. You are my king, O God. Command victories for Jacob. Through you, we will push down our enemies. Through your name, we will trample those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me. But you have saved us from our enemies, and have put to shame those who hated us. In God, we boast all day long, and praise your name forever. Now notice an interesting thing here is that in these verses, the psalmist does not become impractical. He doesn't say that he doesn't go out to fight. He doesn't say he doesn't use a sword or his bow. He says he doesn't trust in it. Too many times Christians become very impractical and they think that God is going to get up and uh, go make application for them for work. Uh, that God is going to do things for them. You have to step out. You have to pray and, and, and move and God will go before you. The lesson here is that he doesn't trust in his own ability or what he has in his hand. But he allows and recognizes that God will use it to the full potential. And that's important. The scriptures constantly warn us not to trust in the arm of flesh. There's an interesting verse that is quoted often out of context. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. Verse 9, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro. And usually we use that to just encourage people that God is looking for a man everywhere to use. And though that is partially true, I think that it's worth recognizing the context in which it is told. And you have to go back to verse 7 uh, and read all the way to verse 9. King Asa had trusted in the arm of flesh to deliver him rather than God, which makes the context more important. Verse 7 says, And at that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria, and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria shall escape from your hand. Were the Ethiopians and the Lubin not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. You see, God wanted King Asa to trust him. King Asa had trusted God before, but he came to a place and a point where he desired to trust in the arm of flesh. And God says, fine, you want to trust in the arm of flesh? You're going to be defeated. And that's what God says to us in this psalm. We have to be careful that we don't trust in our own devices, our own abilities, our own manipulation, our own ingenuity. Does that mean we don't do anything? Never. We move. It's a lot easier to steer a moving object than a sitting object. But we pray that God guide us and go before us and we trust in Him. God is very, very practical.
Verse 9, he says, But you have cast us off and put us to shame, and you do not go out with our armies. You make us turn back from the enemy, and those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. You have given us up like sheep into the food, sheep intended for food, and have scattered us among the nations. You sell your people for naught and are not enriched by their price. You make us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a derision to those all around us. You make us a byword among the nations, a shaking of the head among the people. My dishonor is continually before me, and the shame of my face has covered me because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles because of the enemy and the avenger. And so verses 9 through 16, here is the unexplained suffering, acknowledging God's sovereignty. They don't understand it, but they know that God is in control. And sometimes God does allow us to go through things. We don't know why, and yet God is in control. We look at everything around us and we say, it's not fair. How could He? How come? And yet the Spirit of God ministers unto us and says, He's sovereign. Is He not Lord? Are you not His child? Did you not die when you accepted Him? Are you not the clay and He the potter? And we once again are reminded that He rules over our life. He says all this has come upon us, but we have not forgotten you. Notice, at this point the psalmist declares their innocency. As far as they can see, they've been faithful to God. You mean God allows faithful people to suffer? Yep. I don't understand it. But I know that when my mind concludes that God is unjust, I know that my mind is wrong. Because I don't have all the facts. If we would not have had chapter 1 and 2 of the book of Job, there is not one person of us who would ever understand why God would allow it. But because we do have chapter 1 and 2, we realize God is sovereign, and we have no problem with God allowing it. He's God. Many are the affliction of the righteous, the scriptures tell us. Let me tell you, more godly and more spiritual men and women than us have suffered tremendously. We're no exception. Verse 18, it says, Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. But you have severely broken us in the uh, place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a foreign God, would not God search this out? In other words, you know that we're, we haven't done any of this. For He knows the secrets of the heart. Yet for your sake we are killed all day long. That sound familiar like Isaiah 53? We are counted as sheep to the slaughter. Awake, why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise, do not cast us off forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction, our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our body clings to the ground. Arise for our help and redeem us for your mercy's sake. Notice how he ends for your mercy's sake, less than we deserve. <laughs> Even though he realizes that he's in fellowship, they haven't purposely gone out and sinned, he says, mercy's enough. It's more than better. And so uh, he entrusts himself to God in that suffering, and, and we have to too. Peter tells us that in 1 Peter 4.19. We commit ourselves to him as a faithful creator. I don't have all the facts. I don't understand it. Some of those things may be cleared up in my lifetime sometimes, but some of those things will never be cleared up. And I have to trust the Lord. I just won't understand them. I'll never know. But I know that I serve a faithful God. 
I know that for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt. Pastor Xavier Reese and some encouraging words from a very present help in time of trouble today on Simple Truths. And you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But you can also request your own CD copy of this study from a verse-by-verse study series of the Book of Psalms. Today's message is simply titled Psalms chapters 42 through 49 and is available for only $4 upon request. By the way, we'll be including much more material on the CD than our limited time on the air allows. So once again, the title to ask for is Psalms chapters 42 through 49. Or you can always just mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths from the Book of Psalms, right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com